As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams get a throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Anthony Pagnotta with you as always, and guys, it is time to set the stage for the Tar Heels 2021 spring game set to take place in Keenan Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Joining me as always, as he's been doing pretty often this offseason so far, it is Josh Marlowe who is back with me, the co-host uh, that uh, carries you through the season, uh, also back to carry you through uh, what has been a big-time spring for the Tar Heels as they get prepared for one of the biggest seasons in program history, one that will carry a lot of expectations with it. Uh, first, just a little bit of information for you about the spring game, just in case you're wondering. It is going to be Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern on ACC Network. You guys can catch the game if you can't make it uh, to the stadium, uh, of course, Tickets did sell out. There are expected to be 10,600 fans in attendance for the game. And the uh, Mac Brown did talk a little bit about the uh, game in his press conference. Did say that while TV coverage will start at 3 o'clock on uh, the ACC network, he is going to wait until 345 to officially start what will be the official spring game. They will be going through warm-ups, uh, doing some seven-on-seven drills, stuff like that, and then officially get into the game at 345. And it is scheduled to be a regular game. They will break the team up into two different sides. He says he doesn't know exactly what they're going to do about kicking. Uh, I think that is in part due to the fact that he did mention in his press conference the other day that Jonathan Kim has not participated in any of spring practice with a lower leg injury. So maybe just does doesn't know if he's confident with some of the other walk-ons that are on the roster, um, but it looks like uh, Carolina is going to try to make that as normal as they possibly can to be able to get a look at some of their guys. So 
we're going to you know go through a couple of different things here. We'll go through the position groups to watch for you, some players to watch as well. And we'll also tell you about some of the big-name recruits that are expected to be in attendance. But uh, I have to ask you this first um, before we get started here uh, going in and breaking down the game in depth. Uh, I definitely think that one of the things that has to be talked about with this game is while you know this isn't technically a nationally televised game, uh, this is still a pretty big step in the right direction, especially from where Carolina was just a couple of years ago, to have their game on the ACC network and be one of those games that I think a lot of people around college football are going to be keeping their eyes on on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's definitely pretty much par for the course from what Mac Brown's done since he got back here, and that's... He's put this program back on the map, both within the North Carolina region, but more importantly, nationally with the recruiting and last year making the Orange Bowl. Now your spring game is going to be on the ACC Network, which means that you can stream it anywhere in the country to watch Carolina play against each other. And this is a good chance for a lot of the national punches to find out a little bit about this team that maybe they don't know about. A lot of chance for people to some maybe see Sam Howell, maybe see the receiving core that you have that you're still expecting to produce. You still got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football that a lot of your national guys may haven't may haven't seen yet. And this is a chance for them to kind of showcase their skill set because as you mentioned, even though you know, we're entering a, a very expectation heavy offseason, a lot of these guys are just going off of numbers and what's coming back. A lot of these guys may have never seen them do something on the actual football field. This gives them a chance to actually evaluate themselves and do that. And another chance for Sam Howard to kind of showcase himself on the national stage. He's got pretty much got a good pro day where he got his chance to be in front of NFL scouts. Believe it or not, there will be NFL scouts watching this game, this game tape on Saturday because he'll be projected to be one of the first quarterbacks off the board in next year's NFL draft. But uh, this is the first time since 20 – so 2010 was the last time their spring game was on ESPN, and I think it's the first time since it's been on national television. So it's uh, something going in the right direction for sure, something uh, Larry Fedora never got us to do. Well, and of course, to be fair to Larry, the ACC network wasn't around. There probably would have been a couple of years, you would have imagined, probably back in 2016 that game probably would have been on the ACC network. Uh, maybe even 2015 heading into that season. Um, and even 2014 with the quarterback battle between Marquise Williams and Mitch Trubisky, that was one that was pretty heralded from the beginning there. Uh, you talk about Sam Howell, I think that there are going to be some people that are going to be tuning in to see him. The biggest thing is, is how long is he actually going to be in the game? One of the things that we've heard a lot from Mac Brown here during the spring is that for the most part, a lot of the veterans, especially on the defensive side of the football, they have not been seeing as much time in the actual seven-on-sevens, in the actual scrimmages, uh, as they have probably in past years under previous coaching staffs. And the reason is is that Mac Brown has said, look, we're still having them do stuff on the sides. We're still having them go through drills. Most of the time they're leading those drills. But when we get into those game situations that we want to put our teams into or when we get into those scrimmages, we are wanting to see what the depth guys have if they were to be put in a role where they are going to have to play big minutes. So uh, I wonder just how much are you going to see Sam Howell in this game? And that leads us into that first position group that you're going to have to watch for in this game, and that is the quarterback position, mainly that backup quarterback battle. Now, one of the things that has been that that Mac Brown has said a lot as well during uh, his press conferences is that look, Drake May is coming in as an early enrollee. He's looked he's looked good. He's had moments where he's looked good, but he's also still learning. He's making mistakes. 
You know, this is just part of his growth. One of the things that's interesting is that Mac Brown did say that he looks a lot like Sam Howell. He said that each of the past two weeks. Uh, he looks a lot like Sam Howell when he first came in in terms of he's trying to do just a little bit too much too quickly, but you can see that the talent is there. Jacoby Criswell, you know, a guy that's been in the system for a year longer, but this is also his first spring. So this was really big for Criswell to be able to grow. Uh, the last time that Carolina uh, was in a, an official scrimmage, which was two weeks ago, of course they had one uh, this past Saturday as well, but two weeks ago in the official scrimmage where there were uh, uh, the media was allowed in, um, they, you know, Pretty much said that he looked he looked about as good as you could hope for. Was making some really big throws. Mac Brown said that as well. Um, so I think that this is uh, you know definitely something to keep an eye on. I think one of the main things that you're going to have to keep an eye on with this is how far ahead. Because I think just from you know listening to what Mac Brown has said. You would imagine that Jacoby Criswell has a little bit of an advantage here. I think the biggest thing is in this game. How far ahead does Jacoby Criswell look from Drake May? Because Mac Brown's already said it. Going into the summer, they are going to be battling. When they step back on to the, the uh, field for fall camp, that will be one of the battles to keep an eye on. But I think it's really in this game about how big of a margin does the Jacoby Criswell have heading into the summer. And I think it's also something you got to keep an eye on is and, you know, it's not something that you want to talk about, but it's a possibility. How comfortable with whoever, if something was to happen to Sam Howell, how comfortable are we with whoever wants to take over for him? When you had Jay Schroeder here, you felt like you could get some stuff done if something was to happen. Remember, he actually got, Sam Howell got benched against Wake Forest his freshman year. Schroeder actually sparked the eventual comeback that fell short that Friday night in Winston-Salem. So that's one thing you got to mention is that, you know, how does – because Carolina's season is going to hang in the balance of Sam Howell's, Sam Howell's arm. But if something was to happen, are you more comfortable with Criswell, who has always been labeled the more ideal fit for Phil Longo's offense, or Drake May, who is talented upside, is going to be a potential NFL quarterback someday down the road. So, um, But, you know, I, I think Mac Brown said it pretty good. Drake May is a freshman. So he's looking like a freshman. There's a reason to overreact that he's struggling in press, that he's missing throws or missing reads. He's a freshman. In a college offense, that's going to happen. What you're what you're seeing from Criswell is what you expected to see because he's been here longer. And even though it's his first spring, he did get game action last year, and he's been in the system longer. So it's good to see him taking that growth and taking that next step. Yeah, I, I think you know this. That question was actually asked uh, the other day on Tuesday of Mac Brown. Um, I believe it was by Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated, but I'm not sure as to whether or not if Sam was to go down in a game this year, would Jacoby Criswell be ready to go? Uh, Mac Brown said no. He did not feel that he would be ready right now. But I feel like there is some confidence that they can get him to that point. The other thing that's going to be interesting when you look at Drake May is that Drake one of the things that's very evident just from looking at the photos and, and from you know some of the analysis from some of the people that are a little bit closer tied to the program than us, he is very thin. Uh, and, and that's expected because he just got in with the team in January. He didn't have as much weight room time as he will over the summer to be able to build himself up. So he could come back looking a little bit different by the time that they get into fall camp. He could have a little bit of a bigger build on him, which could allow him to have a chance to compete. Because, look, ultimately, 
you can have all the talent in the world. If you're a guy that is too small back there, it only takes one hit for mm-hmm. you to get banged up. So that's the other concern when it comes to Drake May. But I feel like when you when you hear the things that you're hearing about May with him being compared to Howell in terms of you know the 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 talent and being able to make all the throws, that's what you want to hear. And that that's the thing. When you say struggling, I mean, really, is it, it's not even really struggling. It's just he, he probably has lapses, momentary lapses, where, you know, he, he reads something wrong, something like that. I think it's more of that's something that you can coach. The fact that you're seeing that the talent is there is what you need to see because ultimately you can't coach talent. That's what you need in this system. That's what they've been trying to find over the last couple of years, especially a quarterback. And it feels like they've got it. Of course, also out there, you'll see Jefferson Boaz at quarterback as well. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what what he looks like because I feel like, you know, we when we talked about him last year, um, you know, on the recruiting trail, and then we, when we talked about him a little bit in the preseason, going through fall camp. Remember, there were a lot of people that thought he would already be a tight end. They did not think he would stick at quarterback. He is still with the team at quarterback. Yeah. He's still in that room right now, and Mac Brown seems pretty hell-bent on keeping him there. So we'll see what he looks like as well in this game. You would expect him to get some pretty good run. We'll stay in the offensive backfield for our next group to watch, and that's the running backs. That's probably the group that most people are going to come in most interested to watch because, well, frankly, it's the most wide open of all the position groups. Um, Ty Chandler seems to be the guy that, uh, you know, heading into the spring, most people looked at his experience, thought that that would be able to pay off. It seems like that is to a certain extent, but don't count out DJ Jones either to battle and potentially take that starting job later on in the fall where this battle will continue. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between those two. And then there's also some other guys that are going to be battling for reps. Mac Brown said, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago, um, or maybe it was maybe it was this past Tuesday that this backfield is going to resemble the backfield from 2019 more than the backfield from a year ago. But to me, that means that you are probably going to see they they want to have three guys yep. that they can rotate in at all times. So I think that's one of the things. Even if Ty Chandler and DJ Jones are able to separate themselves, who is that other guy? that is able to join them in that group. Is it Josh Henderson? There's been some good things that we've heard about him. He really shined in in, in that one scrimmage that we saw um, a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, is it British Brooks, the guy who started the Orange Bowl game? Is it Elijah Green, you know, a guy that has some really good speed, really good talent, but really needed to develop as a, wide rec- as a receiver out of the backfield, I should say, after not catching the ball out of the backfield at all in high school? Or... The wild card, Caleb Hood. There's so many different guys that you have back here in the backfield, and I think that's one of the main reasons that in this game, uh, where you'll probably see all of them, it'll be the position group that a lot of people are going to be focused on. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the as much as you got to replace from the wide receiver position with Deami Brown and um, Daz Newsom gone, you still got to replace two thousand yard running backs, and you don't have any proven production that have produced for you as a Tar Heel. Touching the produced in the SEC, and that's great. But we haven't seen him do anything in a Carolina blue uniform. That's a pretty solid resume coming from the yeah. SEC, though. That's so not a bad you know, one. but and I've said it all off season long. Carolina doesn't need to have to have one guy. I think having two right. to three guys right. for this offense 
is going to be okay because this is going to be a pass-first offense, we believe, anyway, especially early on in the season. So long as you can find those guys. And remember, you go back to 2019, he used three different running backs in three different situations. I mean, you brought in Antonio Williams in the fourth quarter when you had teams warm down. And you just, I mean, you remember the South Carolina game, he just bulldozed people over. And, and he did that, yeah, and he did that multiple games, and, and, and it worked. I mean, yeah. he ran for over 500 yards for a reason. So if you can get back to that where you have three guys, but you know, and you can use them in different spots, that's that's something that you know not many teams in the country have. Even the teams that want to run the football a lot, they don't have three different running backs that they can use three different ways. And so I think Carolina's got to find that third guy. But, I mean, I also said back when spring started, I thought Ty Chandler would emerge as the quote-unquote starter for this offense. So it's no surprise to that. But finding someone to go along with him is going to be the key. And I think on, on Saturday you'll get to see some of that separation starting to already be uh, happen. Well, and the other thing about getting that third running back is, look, this is something that I don't think we've talked about a lot with those other two guys that Carolina had. Not only were they productive, they also were able to stay on the field uh, at, at a great rate. I mean, m for most of the time, I mean, they were out there, especially this past year, they were out there. Um, it was either – it was one of those two guys pretty much the entire season except in blowout games. Now, of course – the, you know, back in 2019, you had Javante get banged up a little bit towards the end of the season, but you had Antonio Williams, so you need that third guy that you can potentially count on because as we've seen already with him, you know, Ty Chandler, we, you know, we he's fine. With D.J. Jones, there's a lot of talent there. D.J. Jones got banged up at the end of last season, missed the Orange Bowl game. He's even been banged up a little bit here in spring camp. So I think that Carolina would really feel comfortable if they could get one, maybe, Maybe even two guys to emerge from that group. And I feel like you probably could. I think you're going to want someone from the, the the group of Josh Henderson, Elijah Green, and British Brooks to emerge. And then you'll also feel comfortable, at least from what we're here, from, from what they've been saying and what I've heard um, from some of the people that are around practice every day. Um, they think that Caleb Hood is is on track to be a really productive running back for Carolina. So if you have to use them, it feels like you can, but you do want to have some other veteran presences back there, some guys that have been you know, have been used to catching the ball out of the backfield, something Caleb Hood really isn't used to. And the main thing, somebody that can help protect the quarterback if they need yeah. to, if Caleb Hood uh, is out there. Um, you know, you look uh, wide receiver, another big position that they uh, right now just – I, I don't feel from the way that Mac Brown has talked that they feel super confident in the depth that they have out there in terms of guys stepping up into bigger roles. Um, you know, I haven't didn't hear an update on Bo Corrales, which I thought was interesting because we got updated on him two weeks ago, basically telling us that he was back to doing um, some drills on the side, really at three quarter speed. But we didn't hear an update in this week's press conference about him. So as of right now, the expectation would probably be that he is not going to play in the spring game. You, of course, mentioned that Deami Brown is gone. Daz Newsom is gone. So that leaves Josh Downs, who the staff has talked about a lot and who we'll talk about a little, more, a little bit more here later on in the podcast. And then it leaves a group of receivers that, again, they have some talent. Some of them have some experience, but most of them don't have significant experience. And it feels like Mac Brown 
is still looking for some separation amongst some of these guys. Guys like Anton Green, Steven Gosnell, Ty Lee Kraft, Justin Olsen. Um, you know, there, there's there's a group of them there. Emory Simmons as well in that group. Um, and, of course, without Choffrey Brown in there as well, that really sort of puts this, uh, you know, th- this spring game um, into a, a little bit of question as to how successful this passing game is going to be because it's going to be a, a, a wide receiving core that's relatively inexperienced, looking for guys to step up, going up against what we expect could be one of the better cornerback tandems uh, in the country this season, and then a third cornerback that can rotate in, whether that's Storm Duck as he's still coming back, or Kyler McMichael. Uh, either way, those guys are interchangeable. It's going to be a tough test, but you're hoping that maybe somebody can step up at wide receiver. I think we're going to find out just how good of an offensive coordinator Phil Longo is and how if this system is what it's believed to be, which is plug-and-play. Because you have a lot of talent in here that you should be able to, in, in theory, you plug right in, and they produce, not to the level of De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom, but they can go up and give you five, 600 yards at, at, at you know, filling in for their for those two guys. And if not, I mean, then maybe, then maybe Carolina reverts to being back to a run-first football team. Because I do think at the core, this team and this offense is designed to run the football first. But last year you had the option to do whichever one you want to because you have so much production. Right now, you're having to replace all that production. But, you know, out of those guys – if, if, if Emory Simmons doesn't do it this year, is he ever going to do it? I, I think that's the question with well, him. Well, he, he, he had a big practice the other day uh, for Carolina when they went through pretty much game situations. If you want to call that a scrimmage, I guess you could, but it wasn't officially one. But he did step up in, in, in that game uh, or in that scrimmage. So I, I'm going to be intrigued to see what he looks like in this one because he's going to be one of the starters. Uh, I, I believe what they were saying uh, the other day is that the quote-unquote ones at the wide receiver position were Josh Downs, Antone Green, and Emory Simmons. So this is going to be his chance to step up because, yeah, Josh Downs is probably going to make a couple of plays. Josh Downs is also going to be the guy that if Jay Bateman is going to key in on somebody and try to get his guys to take him away and make some other things happen, it's going to be take yeah. away Josh Downs and let our young let our young quarterbacks figure out who else they're going to here. So I agree with you. I think Emory Simmons has to step up. I mean, for Antone Green, I think, look, does Antone Green need to step up and, and, and play a little bit better than he has at times? Yeah, probably. The other thing with Antone Green is if he can just stay healthy, that would be huge for you. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think Emory Simmons is probably that biggest guy there. Um, and I think, you know, guys like Justin Olsen, we saw him play a little bit in the Orange Bowl last year, um, and Steven Gosnell as well. I feel like those are two guys that could have a pretty decent impact there uh, as well. Also, the true freshman J.J. Jones has been getting some rave reviews. Uh, could be sooner rather than later that you see him uh, out there on the field. Um, Last position that we'll talk about for position groups to watch for uh, will be the secondary. That's the first time we go over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we're gonna write a pre- I'm gonna write a preview article. Mike, it'll go a little bit in depth there. We'll add maybe another position or two there to keep an eye on. But let's talk about the secondary because Mac Brown mentioned this in his press conference on Tuesday that they are still cross training guys back there. Part of it, he said, is, of course, because of the fact that COVID-19 is still a thing. You just never really know when guys are potentially going to have to miss games. And the other part of it is that he said that uh, he, with all the injuries that they've had back there, 
over the past couple of years, even under him. I mean, this the, the secondary injuries go back, what, three, four years now in a row where you've had just mass injuries in your secondary at some point during the season. They want to make sure that they're able to have everybody trained so that they can put the best four or five defensive backs, however they want to line up in a set, out there on the field. So I think that's going to be one of the interesting things to keep an eye on, especially because we're probably going to see what they've been saying they've, they, they've been seeing uh, out there. Some of the people that are you know close to the team have been saying over the past couple of weeks that Jaquarius Conley has played a lot of safety. Don Chapman has been playing a lot in the nickel. Um, so we're going to see some of those guys that are going to move around, and it's going to give you a really interesting look uh, at how some of these guys play these positions and maybe which of these positions these guys fit a little bit better at. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they're they're just now deciding to cross-train because I think in this well, day Well, they've been age, doing it since last year, yeah, but I don't think I, as aggressively. I, I, I think at this point, you don't, you don't have a choice. I think you need to have all those guys trained to play – because you, your defense wants position flexibility anyway. That's what Jay Bateman kind of prides himself on. So, be interesting to see what you do back there. Ideally, you can hope that you can keep Jacarius Quanley at the safety and Don Chapman at the nickel. I think that's best-case scenario because Don Chapman's uh, play at safety has decreased since his freshman season. He also played cornerback in high school, so, so like it's not completely foreign to him um, as well. He's been in one-on-one situations. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I think that's ideally what you're wanting to get. And then, you know, right. with your corners, you, you know you've got a, in my opinion, a, a top three tandem in the country with Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. And, so, and, you, and there's just a lot of depth there as well. So if you can figure out that safety spot, I think that'll be – you know, you feel okay up front. You feel okay with your linebackers. The strength is going to be in your corners back. If your safety is going to become even a stronger part, this defense can go to the next level, which it needs to be if this team's going to take the next step. Well, well, we've said on here, we said at the end of last year that we felt that the safeties were kind of hit and miss. And Mac Brown has said the exact same thing multiple times here during the spring, that they had some games where they looked really good. They had some games where they looked really bad. Yeah, we're not even asking for a dynamic safety. We just want consistency. Consistent. I mean, be, be able to – handle yourself in coverage if you need to be put in one-on-one coverage because look I know Mac Brown and this is one of the things that will also probably be something to keep an eye on if you're going out there or watching on television uh, on Saturday Mac Brown says look we want guys that are pass ru- true pass rushers the reason he, he said it right out the reason we had so many sacks a year ago is because we schemed for it We need guys that can win one-on-one battles against offensive linemen and tight ends and get into the backfield and put pressure on the quarterback. I get that. There are probably some guys that are coming in that are young guys. There are some guys that returned from last year that are probably going to get better, a la Miles Murphy, Clyde Pinder, some of those guys that may be able to help you in that category. But at the same time, you're going to have to scheme to be able to get pressure on the quarterback that's just going to be part of it especially early in the year look I know that Des Evans could take off and become what we thought he could become but I still feel like that's going to take some time so if you're going to be in those one-on-one coverage situations if you're going to be potentially in cover zero situations at times you need your safeties to be able to help you out on the back end and yeah as we saw late last year not only was he struggling in you know, helping you out in that passing that that passing game as the deep safety. Uh, 
there were times where Don Chapman disappeared from helping you in run defense as well. He was out there, but he really wasn't doing a whole lot, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, there, and there were times that was the same thing with Cameron Kelly. There were games where Cameron Kelly would have a ton of tackles at the end of the game. He could have finished the game with 20 if he, because he had so many missed tackles in the open field. Or there were times he'd get lost in coverage. That's the thing is you're just looking for that consistency. But I think you're right. We talked about that on the first spring edition of the podcast, the ultimate goal for this team should be to get Jaquarius Conley at safety. I don't know if Don Chapman's the guy at the nickel spot. Maybe that's a guy like DeAndre Boykins. If you've gone back, if, if people have gone back and watched his high school tape, DeAndre Boykins is the perfect fit for the nickelback. He can cover in space, he can hit you hard, and he can tackle in the run game. That's what you're looking for from your nickel corner. But if you watch the way that Jaquarius Conley plays, if you put him at safety, I mean, he's he's going to be able to clean up over the middle, he can cover a lot of space, and he has the one-on-one ability as he showed you a year ago. I think the nickelback, I don't know, maybe this is just me, does it not almost sort of train you for safety? But In a just, lot of ways. It, it's... it's a, a place where you can kind of learn as you go along. We saw that with Aquarius Conley last year. Now, if you can step him up to safety, figure out who that guy is next to him. I mean, we don't know who that could be. If it's Cameron Kelly, if it's Don Chapman, if it's Cameron Roseman Sinclair, whoever, that's fine. Figure out who that guy is, and you'll probably be fine. But that's one of the areas that Mac Brown has talked about during the spring. You want to be able to find a little bit more consistency because there were times where, yeah, that position group definitely scared them. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll go through a couple of the players to watch here. Um, let's start with uh, a guy that we talked about a little bit but didn't really go in-depth on uh, during that during that last segment. Uh, let's talk about Josh Downs. At wide receiver, he's going to be the number one wide receiver in most people's minds for Sam Howell going into the season, um, especially with the fact that you look at Bo Corrales right now here in the spring not practicing. Now, the expectation, at least from, from what Mac Brown said, unless there's a setback, Bo is going to be with the team uh, for the fall, should be able to go through fall practice in full capacity. But at the same time, I know he's got a rapport with Bo. Uh, they say that the connection between him and Josh Downs is really, really strong. And Mac Brown has talked about it a lot here in the spring as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do in this game. Because, again, when we've seen him out there, um, you know, we saw him in, in, in the game against NC State, scored a touchdown. Saw him in the, of course, Orange Bowl. Great performance in that game. And saw him a couple other times throughout the season last year. He always seemed to make something happen when the ball was thrown his way. Yeah, no, he's a certified playmaker, and I think we're going to really get to see him on full display this season. There's a very good chance he'll be a breakout star in the landscape of college football this season with him, with Sam Howell throwing him the football because they have that kind of connection that uh, – Maybe we didn't we didn't anticipate them having this quickly, and that's that's a really good thing. It kind of speaks to the leadership of Sam Howell and them two guys putting the work in on and off the field to build that kind of connection, um, so they can go out there and produce. But I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do because you're right. If Jay Bateman is scheming to take any of those wide receivers away, it's going to be Josh Downs, and that's that's a really good practice for him to learn how to make things happen with teams scheming to take him away. Because even though 
you, you're going to have Bo Corrales back and Choffrey Brown back, you hope, by the start of the season. Teams are still going to take him away more than Bo Corrales and Choffrey Brown. So it's a good chance for him to kind of learn how to make plays on his own with the defense and gear it up to stop him. Well, you talk about guys that are on the offensive side of the ball that teams may be gearing up to stop. In terms of the Toriel running backs, that's probably going to be Ty Chandler. We talked a little bit about him. Of course, a guy that comes from the SEC, was pretty productive out in the SEC, but of course played for Tennessee where Tennessee just they can't seem to make up their damn mind any season about who they want at running back. So that's one of the reasons he was sort of figured out coach. there. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, out there in Knoxville. Uh, but, look, he ends up transferring. Uh, he gets his super senior season and will play it at Carolina. And Mac Brown has been pretty impressed with them so far. Uh, he, he thinks that, you know, everything that he saw in the SEC is kind of carried over. You know, he's played against teams like Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Mac Brown has said that three times now in his press conferences. Whenever he talks about Ty Chandler, he wants to make sure that people know the teams that he's played against. Yep. Um, but I think that there, there are some things that people are still kind of wondering about him because we've heard a lot about from Mac Brown. He's got the speed. He's got, you know, a, a little bit of force behind him when he runs. This will be a really good chance to see that and also a good chance to see if this guy is really the leader in this backfield as we head into the summer. Yeah, I mean, I think for, you know, for Carolina and for us as fans, it's just seeing everything that's translating from the SEC to the ACC. It's kind of like when you bring in a – a transfer in basketball, you know, you're from a Power Five to a Power Five school. Is the production still the same? He's going from the SEC to the to the ACC. So in theory, the talent level's dropping. So he should actually produce a little bit more. I just want to see him. What I saw at Tennessee translate to Chapel Hill. That's why I wanted to talk about him because I feel like he's going to be the leader at least early on in trying to carry the running game. Yeah, and I think you know one of the things it'll be interesting to see, and you'll you'll be able to see it just a little bit here. Maybe not. Not at at, at a, you know an in depth level. You probably won't be able to tell until you get in the season. But this will be a look at how quickly he's picking things up in the system because that's one of the things that is like. Look, he's got all this production. Comes from an SEC school. There's a lot of things to like about him. But he has to learn a new system. There is a learning curve to that. But being that he's been in the college game, it's not as steep as the freshmen that are there. So we'll see how quickly he's picked it up, if it looks like he's sort of a natural part of this offense. And if he is, I think that's going to be that, – that's going to have people feeling really good because then from there, you just have to think this guy can sort of grow within the system – and really find his niche, and maybe even potentially settle himself in as a leader amongst that running back group and try to help build up some of those other guys around him. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on in this one. Uh, go over to the defensive side of the ball. We talked about this guy a little bit here just a few minutes ago, but Jaquarius Conley I think is going to be one of the big guys to keep an eye on in this game because, again, he is probably going to play a pretty decent amount at safety. So, you know, we're guys that are big proponents of him playing safety going forward because of his skill set. He played it in high school, and we feel like, uh, you know, it, it, best case scenario, that's probably going to allow Carolina to be uh, at, at their best in the secondary if he can move back there. Uh, I think that's one of the big reasons why you need to keep an eye on him in this game, especially if he's playing at that free safety spot. Yeah, no, I, I do think this will be, you know, his his tape will be graded in terms of him being the starting safety or not. I think off of off of this performance, will kind of that way when they pick up back up again in the fall, it'll be okay. Do we want to try him again at safety or do we keep him at nickelback? Yeah, no, I I think that's uh, that's great. And, and 
That's that's a great analysis because I think, first of all, that's going to be a lot of the guys. Yeah. I really think that Don Chapman's going to be the same way. You're going to see some of the other guys that are probably cross-training as well where this will be the game where they're going to look at it and say, okay, this you, you've had a spring at this position. Is this a position that we can still focus on trying to get you to play some reps here? Or is this a position where we have to look to potentially go away from you at and put you back at a spot you're more comfortable? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that you'll you'll see that. You'll also see some battles here. Uh, you know, Mac Brown talked about it, uh, and this is something we'll talk about once they wrap up the spring game uh, and, and as they go throughout those next uh, couple of months there. Je- there is a July 1st deadline for the transfer portal. Mac Brown said that after spring camp, they are going to sit down and have some heart-to-heart conversations <laughs> with some of these guys about their roles in this defense. Uh, and offense, but I think mainly the defensive side of the ball, you're going to see some really hard conversations at corner, maybe even safety as well, but definitely at corner, and you're also going to see some of those conversations on the defensive line about what their roles are and if they're willing to play those roles this season. So I think that's something to keep an eye on uh, going forward, but Jaquarius Conley is one of those guys that we're hoping can uh, potentially show out in this game uh, at safety and really show that he should be sticking there for the season. One last one that we'll talk about, of course, as I mentioned, I'm going to be writing the preview article. I'll add a few more names to this to keep an eye on, but we'll go with the true freshman on the defensive line, a guy that we've heard a lot about so far this spring. Just about every time that Mac Brown takes to the stand for press conferences, he talks about Javari Ritzy and how well he has been playing on the defensive line this spring. And look, I don't know how much stock you can put into it uh, in terms of you know maybe placing bets, thinking he's going to be a starter in your mind, whatever, first game of the year. Um, I do think that with what you're hearing and the fact that his talent level seems to be on par with what his star rating was coming out of high school, a high-end four-star, uh, there's a good chance that he could see some reps early on in the season. But I think one of the things that's encouraging and one of the things to keep an eye on in this game is just how advanced of a, of a defensive lineman is he. How quickly can he get off the line of scrimmage? You know, what does he do matched up against some of these veteran offensive linemen? Is he able to still work past some of these guys and get after the quarterback? Um, because, look, there is a learning curve. We've talked about it. At wide receiver, at corner, some of those spots, it's easier to make an early impact because it's not as physical. The fact that we're hearing as many things that we are about Javari Ritzy and how he's standing out while being on the defensive line against an offensive line for Carolina that is veteran, not only in the guys that they have on the first team, but also as you get into the depth, I think that's huge. So you're going to get you're, – you're, this is going to be kind of a measuring to stick to see exactly where the hype is for Javari Ritzy. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you don't see a lot of impact defensive linemen as freshmen unless they're really damn good. So it must have it must mean that he's really damn good and he's getting the job done. And, look, he's a prototypical defensive lineman for what Jay Bateman wants. The guys that are that have been recruited before this, they didn't really fit what Jay, what Jay Bateman, what he inherited or also didn't fit his scheme. And he's done wonders with a guy like an Aaron Crawford, a Jason Strobridge. So imagine what he's going to do with the guy that he wants. We saw what his defense could do at Auburn, or not not Auburn. I mean, Army was one of the best defensive, or one of the best defenses in the country, and it started up front. 
And we're seeing it with this guy. He came in with a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, hoopla about his star rating. But he's producing on the field, which is all that matters. And so be interested to see if that can carry over on Saturday because Carolina is going to need help up front because we saw last year in the games they got beat, they got worn down on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They needed to add more depth and more bodies. Javari Ritzy definitely helped them do that. Well, and the other thing is, is that with them having a spring this year, your true freshmen are going to be able to get on the field, be more impactful starting out early in the season. Last year without spring, that was what really hurt you in terms of getting guys like Cayman Rucker, guys like Miles Murphy, guys like Clyde Pinder onto the field early. This year, you've got this spring camp, and you've got a guy like Ritzy who's played extremely well. You've got a guy in Keyshawn Silver who Mac Brown is excited about, but he's been slowed by an ankle injury throughout the spring. When he gets back to 100%, Mac Brown thinks that both him and Ritzy could have a chance to probably factor in this uh, this fall is, is pretty much what it seems like he's saying. So I, I feel like that's something that Toriel fans should be pretty confident in. Uh, with Ritzy, yeah, I mean, you, you talked about it. He's the prototypical guy that Jay Bateman wants because, I mean, look, if this was a 4-3 scheme, he has the athleticism, he has the speed off the edge, he has the pass rushing moves to be able to succeed as a defensive end. They could put him inside a defensive tackle too because he's physical enough, he's quick off the line of scrimmage, he could bother some of those slower offensive guards if he could beat him inside. So that's what you're wanting. That's the type of guy that fits the four-eye defensive end technique that Jay Bateman likes in his system. So... Yeah, th this guy I think is going to be able to have a pretty good impact, and this will be a really good chance to get a look at him in this game going up against, you know, look, not you know, the, the entire offensive line won't be there for Carolina. Don't know how much we'll see of the ones. Of course, Brian Anderson won't be there. He's attending a wedding, uh, so he'll be out for the game. You've got Joshua Zudu, who's, of course, on the shelf uh, with an injury this spring, but he is going to be back, uh, expected to be 100% for the fall. But there are still some veteran guys up there, and you've also seen some guys on the offensive line that have stepped up as well. One of the guys that's been talked about a lot so far this spring is William Barnes, so you'll get to see him get matched up against a guy like Javari Ritzy. So that'll be a good look uh, at the young, true freshman from right down the road uh, from Chapel Hill in Kernersville, North Carolina. But, uh, yeah, a lot of big-time big guys there. Uh, of course, you know, as we mentioned, there are going to be some guys that are going to be out from this game. Brian Anderson not going to play. Joshua Zudu not going to play. Same thing with Bo Corrales. A lot of the guys that have been banged up for the entire spring will be out. But the good news is, is that – it seems like there have not been really any other guys besides Choffrey Brown, who of course went down earlier this spring, and that 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 news was released. There has not been anybody else so far this spring that has suffered an injury that looks like it will keep them out for this game. So Carolina is going to get a really really good look at most of the guys that are going to be able to battle and contribute for them when it comes to the fall this year uh, on Saturday. So uh, some of the guys uh, that are expected to be in attendance in terms of recruits, you've got 2022 four-star outside linebacker commit Malachi Hamrick, who is going to be there in Chapel Hill. Of course, uh, he committed to Carolina just a couple of months ago, currently going through his junior season of high school football 
in the state of North Carolina at Shelby High School. You got 2022 five-star defensive tackle Travis Shaw, who is going to be in attendance. That feels like a big one for Carolina. Of course, they are currently locked in a fierce recruiting battle for him with Clemson. So anytime that you can get him on campus, it's going to be big, especially for a game like this, a spring game, which you know sometimes recruits would look at and say, ah, you know, it's a spring game. What do I really need to go for? Also, remember, at this time, it is still a recruiting dead period. So this is 100% up to the recruit to go to this game. So that's good to see that he's going. Also, another guy that's interesting uh, that is going to be in attendance, 2023 defensive tackle Keith Sampson Jr. just received an offer uh, a couple of days ago uh, or now about a week ago now, maybe a little even over a week ago now uh, in that 2023. 23 class, one of the best players in the state of North Carolina at a Newburn High School in Newburn, North Carolina. Uh, he'll be in attendance as well. There, of course, will be a bunch of other guys in attendance, and uh, the article that we're going to put out uh, will be able to list off some of those guys. Uh, probably not all the guys that will be in attendance, but we'll do a, we'll do our due diligence to try to uh, sort of get a rough list up for you guys so that you can take a look at that. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure that you guys head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out all the great stuff that we've got on the website. Of course, we'll have you covered with everything for the spring game. We'll have that preview for you where we are going to look at some of the stuff that we just talked about, uh, give you a little bit more in-depth look at some of those guys that we talked about as well as uh, what We'll add some other guys in there, uh, give you some incentive to go ahead and read that article to see who some of those other names are on there uh, who could uh, you know, stand out in this game, some of those other position groups that you could want to keep an eye on if you're going out to Keenan Stadium or watching from the house. Um, also up on the website, uh, some great stuff uh, during uh, the high school football season as it's been wrapping up. We're taking a look at some of the biggest recruits around the area, um, whether it's in the 2021 class, 22 class, 23 class. We've had you covered uh, through, you know, with all of those guys. Of course, we're taking a look in the 21 class at the guys that are signees. Uh, we just did one this past week on two, on Carolina signee, a guy that will join the team in the fall uh, at uh, Edge Rusher and Travion Stevenson, so you guys can go back and read that one. We got one coming out about Tymeer Brown, the cornerback commit uh, in the 2021 class as well, where we went back into the regular season to get a look at him. And one of the more recent ones that's up there as well that you guys will want to check out, 2023 defensive tackle we just talked about, Keith Sampson Jr., is also up there, so get a feel for one of the newest offers uh, that Carolina has put out there with a look at one of his games from earlier this season where we break it down uh, in depth for you. Uh, so some great stuff on the website on the football side of things. Uh, on the basketball side of things, the news is still kind of rolling in. Not as hot and heavy as it was at one time, but Josh has had you covered through all of it. He's got an article up there right now about Efton Reed, uh, who the Tar Heels uh, have offered and uh, are you know expressing some interest in trying to get uh, themselves into that race. Hubert Davis, uh, of course, did pick up a commitment from transfer Brady Manick from Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. There's an article up on the website about that. And, uh, of course, there will be other names that will be popping up throughout the offseason. So Josh will have you covered on all of those fronts. Make sure you also go over and check out his podcast, Roy's Boys Pod. Or, excuse me, no, I, I knew I was going to do that. I knew I was going to do it at least once or twice. It's now the Four Corners podcast. That is on the website as well. Uh, you guys can check that out uh, on the website. Same place uh, where you can check out the Heel Tough blog. Uh, there is a tab up at the top. We will actually have to change that on the website. Yep. That is still a Roy's Boys tab. We will change that over for you guys. It will be the Four Corners tab uh, that you guys can click on at the top of the page. Uh, as for the podcast here, that's one of the places that you can listen to it. You can also listen to it on any of the podcasting apps that uh, you may use to listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts it is now, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, any of those. We are on all of those platforms. Make sure that you guys rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. The rating and reviewing sort of helps us move up some of those rankings. So when people search Tar Heel Podcasts, Tar Heels, whatever, our podcast will pop up so they'll be able to find it and be able to join in on these great episodes that you guys have been listening to. When you subscribe to the podcast, that puts it right into your podcast player so that uh, or podcast library so that you can pull it right into your podcast player and play the latest edition of the podcast whenever you want to. Also, make sure that you guys are following along on our Facebook page, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Uh, make sure you like and follow there so that you can see all the podcast episodes and see all of the articles on the website as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!